0: You're listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. This talk was given at 2212 South Broad Street. For more information, visit us at circleofhope.net. And here on this eve of Dr. Martin Luther King's day, I want to talk um, about the ministry of reconciliation that Jesus Keeps calling people to um, us included as the as the new creation that Bethany was talking about, and I think in order to do that we have to we have to recognize the the divided state of things in the world. The reason we need a, rec- a ministry of reconciliation is because we're not there yet um, on this side of heaven. It's it's not just a wonderful world. <laughs> We're also in this in-between state um, where things are not right yet. So sometimes comedy can say it best. So here's a little skit from Saturday Night Live to get us warmed up. Um, It's from Christmas, so it's a little bit outdated, but I think it still reflects um, the, the reality of... The, div- the divisions, some of the divisions that we face. Um, and it's kind of long, so just try to settle in and enjoy it.
1: Well, 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 it is almost Christmas, and folks in America seem more divided than ever. But if we listened into some dinner conversations tonight, I bet we'd find out we have more in common than we realize. And now we can listen because I hacked into three nest home camps. So take a look. I'm so happy everyone flew here for the holidays, and I'm even more happy that they did it. They're impeaching Trump. Mom, come on. We said no politics tonight. I don't know what took them so long. Trump is a criminal. He violated the Constitution, and there has to be consequences. Here we go. Well, they did it. They're impeaching Trump. Dad, Stop. I'm sorry it's a disgrace what crime did he even commit well I guess the crime of being an alpha male who actually gets things done Okay.
0: (laughs) the Democrats lost the election so now they're attempting a coup
1: all right here we go dad come on you're gonna rile everybody up hmm? well I'm just asking y'all think bad boys 3 is gonna be good or not I mean, it's got to be good, Will Smith and Martin Lawrence back together. Okay. Yeah, but is Martin Lawrence still Martin Lawrence? Hey, you're not too old to get a spanking. That's Martin Lawrence you talking about. I hate to say this, but could we please talk about politics instead? Oh, you mean how Trump is definitely getting impeached and then definitely getting reelected? I'm good. I just don't understand who on earth could vote for Trump after this. How could anyone not vote for Trump after this? Who do you think's gonna get voted off the mass Singer next week? <laughs> I think it's the Fox. You mean Wayne Brady? What? It's obviously Jamie Foxx. Foxx, Jamie Foxx. It almost makes too much sense. <laughs> I bet you Jamie Foxx could beat Trump. <laughs> Dad, Trump's not gonna win, man. People aren't gonna vote for him again? What people? White people. <laughs> if white people tell you I might not vote for Trump this time, you know what that's called, right? A lie. Nobody was going to vote for Trump in 2016, either. And then guess who did? Everybody. <laughs> now, I see you got me worked up. I need a drink. Well, I just need to say this, OK? If Obama did half
0: the stuff Trump did, he would be in jail already.
1: Mm. The fact is, Obama did way worse stuff than Trump ever did, and they didn't impeach him. Can you believe they didn't kill Obama? <laughs> I thought they was going to kill him, for sure. Guys, maybe we should put on some Christmas music to help everyone relax. Maybe you're right. Alexa, play Baby, It's Cold Outside. Alexa, play the politically correct version of Baby, It's Cold Outside. Alexa, play Santa Claus is Coming to Town by Michael Jackson. Damn. All right, all right. Alexa, play Santa Claus is Coming to Town by the Jackson Fox. That's better. I mean, I don't like all the
0: Democratic candidates, but I'd take any of them over former years of Trump
1: I don't agree with everything Trump is doing, but he's way better than any of those Democrats. You know who I'm starting to like a lot? That Pete Buttigieg. a good one Oh my god. I just got a notification. Mm. All right, I tweeted a photo of Trump's head on the body of the Charmin bear, and he didn't realize it was a
0: joke, and he retweeted it.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God, I tweeted that Nancy Pelosi was a libtard commie, and Trump retweeted it, and he nominated me to be a federal judge. (laughs) Oh, my God. Cory Booker just retweeted me, and nobody noticed. (laughs) Hey, why don't we all say a secular blessing of thanks? Kevin, you want to lead us? I'd love to. Dear gender-neutral spirits. Dear original American Jesus. Dear historically correct black Jesus. <laughs> thank you for no more kneeling in the NFL. That was very hard for me. Thank you, Lord, for the not one, not two, but three black quarterbacks who have beat Tom Brady this season. <laughs> Conor Kaepernick, you move in mysterious ways. Thank you for the Super Bowl halftime show, and that's it. <laughs> uh, Amen. 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 Now, those three families may seem different. But you see, they have one important thing in common. They live in states where their votes don't matter. Because none of them live in the three states that will decide our election. They'll debate the issues all year long, but then it all comes down to a thousand people in Wisconsin who won't even think about the election till the morning of. And that's the magic of the Electoral
0: College. Hello. My name is Greta Hundberg, and I also have a Christmas message. In ten years, this snowman won't exist. Her home will be a puddle. Santa, reindeer, the North Pole, all of it, Go. The ice caps will melt, and the elves will drown. Greta! What? You said keep it light. So,
1: merry maybe our last Christmas to all. And Donald Trump, step to me and I'll come at you like a plastic straw comes at a turtle. I can't believe I'm saying this to a 70-year-old man, but grow up <laughs> and lie under your
0: I confess that I'm tempted to get all my news from The Onion and Saturday Night Live sometimes, um, because it's easier to laugh than to cry, right? But we can't just do that, because Jesus is calling us not to not to just accept the way things are, but to actually do something different, to work for change together, to work for justice, um, and to see each other like God sees us, beloved and forgiven, and called to be new. That's why our mantra this season is in 2 Corinthians 5. We're called to regard no one from a worldly point of view. We could probably spend all all year on this passage. Because God is ready to forgive everyone, and it is empowering us to come together with others in love. So because of this, we can't just accept the way things are. Jesus is making a way for us actually to be together, not just divided. But it's a tall order in the world right now because, like we just watched, uh, people are so politically, economically, racially, spiritually divided this week, even Bernie Sanders and Elizabeth Warren were fighting, which was making the li- liberal Democrats freak out. The disparity between the rich and poor, even in our city, from neighborhood to neighborhood, is just so pronounced. Spiritually, um, like we saw with the praying <laughs> there on this skit, which, which was, is what originally interested me in it, it doesn't seem like everybody knows Jesus yet or, or, or can imagine their part in his new kingdom. And racially, the sin of racism is still all over the place, in us and around us. And that's what I want to try to talk about tonight in honor of Dr. King, acknowledging my own whiteness and the undeserved power and privilege It affords me every day in this racialized world. Dr. King's dream that we're gonna celebrate tomorrow has not been fully realized yet, right? And the point of talking about it is to acknowledge the pain that's in us and around us, that we can't make right on our own. No, um, No amount of wokeness and progressive white liberalism can change all of the hearts all of our hearts and eyes and systems that need to be changed. We need Jesus. We're called to repentance and to relationships with God and each other. I think the path forward involves listening to Jesus and other voices of color, learning to understand ourselves and our implicit biases. And ultimately, accepting that the only place we stand is in the grace and mercy of God. That's how we can come together. So in preparation for tonight, I I decided to um, record the racism that I noticed this week as I went throughout my life. And not surprisingly, there's so much I don't have time to talk about it all tonight. But I hope in talking about it, it can be like a prayer of hope, like art is leading us to do the places that we need and want Jesus to keep speaking into and changing in our world. For starters, the Oscar nominations, right? They were so white this year. It even got the media's attention. Um, I appreciated this meme because so many talented actors and actresses were, were just snubbed. Um, and the reality is that four years into its diversification efforts, the Academy of Motion Pictures and Sciences, Motion Picture Arts and Sciences is still 84% white. So that's, that's Hollywood even. And then I finished the show Anne with an E. Have any of you guys see that? seen that on Netflix? It looks really old-fashioned. It's from the Anne of Green Gables story. But it's so good. You like it, Devin? <laughs> so good. I watched. I was. I watched it with my kids, and we finished it this past week. And um, one of the one of the many truthful aspects of the series, I found myself explaining to them because they they didn't know about it yet. They didn't know about the tens of thousands of Native children that, that were sent to these boarding government boarding schools in the name of Christian faith. And this picture kills me because of the message above the chalkboard. But these kids were um, literally stolen from their tribes and made to speak English, their hair was cut, they were made to wear Western clothes. And the, the, the native culture was, was sometimes literally beaten out of them. Um, and sometimes they were never returned to their tribes. And my kids didn't really know about this because they had never learned it in school. Um, So that led me to do a little research on textbooks to discover that depending on the politics of textbook buyers in particular states, not all textbooks are honest about the, the fact of the many things, but the fact of the founding fathers being slave owners, Um, the huge role of the slavery debate in the development of the Constitution. And when kids learn about urbanization in school, they do not necessarily learn about redlining and restrictive deeds and other racist housing policies. What Texan kids learn about immigration, for example, are accounts from border patrols Fearing social upheaval, you know, for drug drug trafficking if we open the borders. So most often it's all pretty biased according to what policymakers want kids to learn. So it's not surprising, um, I think, that we see this dangerous new rise of nationalism now. Even as we reap the effects of racialized exclusion and violence, like this, like Native American women um, disappearing at higher rates than other groups because of drug, because of um, sex trafficking um, and drugs, because they've always been seen as inferior and invisibilized in US culture. So um, then my kids went out. Then my kids went out to eat with my dear mom, and they were mortified when she um, asked the Mexican waiter what what the name of a particular L.A. gang that she couldn't where my brother lives that she couldn't remember the name of. Yeah, and so my kids concluded that maybe all grandparents are racist. <laughs> because of their generation. But then I was talking to dear friends of mine who are grandparents. They were telling me about their grown child who, um, whose views on immigration have become kind of intolerant, and it's breaking their hearts, even though he just married an immigrant, a new immigrant, a couple years ago. So this problem of racialized discrimination cannot be blamed on a particular age group or generation. It comes from fear that, that manifests in a desire for more control. I see, this, I see this even in some of the teens right here in South Philly. Um, and it's no wonder because sometimes white kids are chosen for Latina roles in school plays um, and, and their faces painted brown for them, even though there are Hispanic ki- talented Hispanic kids in the same room. So then my friend Bethany posted um, about a black woman who passed away waiting um, to get seen in the ER. And I know that this happens more as a social, former social worker. I know this happens more than is reported um, much to the grin, chagrin of my doctor friends who work very hard against it. But there is implicit bias in the healthcare system. Not to mention that research is still behind on women's bodies in general. So finally, um, moving on from healthcare to transportation, our friend Kara posted. Um, about SEPTA spending $22 million this year on um, an increase in transit police. And I've been wondering why I, I keep seeing more cops on the subway. Um, but, but this is the highest, this is the most tax dollars we've ever spent on transit police. And um, they're, uh, they essentially fine people who cannot pay the fare. Um, which is mostly black and brown people that they're talking to. And so it's kind of another way of criminalizing poverty. And they say, the city says that we have more transit police now because of the opioid crisis, but these pe- the, the police are not even carrying Narcan. And so there's moments where they're watching, they're watching people die as they make sure that the people who can afford to ride are safe. And so that just reminds me of a lot of things that Dr. King said about capitalism, exploiting the poor um, that began here with black slaves. But we can't just talk about systemic issues. We know that whiteness affords power and privilege in all kinds of ways. Even in the church, Lord have mercy. All of us have habits and bias, biases that affect who we hang out with and invite for dinner and sit next to on the train and invite to our cell meetings, et cetera. I think no, no, um, we and we know this as we, as we work for justice, no amount of wokeness replaces the construct of whiteness in our culture. But the answer isn't to crawl into holes of despair or guilt. That's part of the white fragility that we were talking about this summer. I think the answer is in repentance, in turning from our reliance on those shields of privilege that whiteness creates, and becoming more open to reliance on relationship with Jesus and others. So the only place for us to stand really is in the grace and mercy of God, um, especially white people in this culture. I think that's what being the new creation is about for, for all people, is standing in the grace and mercy of God, because this um, this call to unity, this uh, forgiveness, This um, love from God is is from God. I highlighted that this time. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ, not counting anybody's sins against them. That's just a wild gift. And it's from God. We can't make right all that is wrong in the world but we can stand in God's generous righteousness and I think that's where we're called to stand that difference between rightness and righteousness I think is very important Um, and I think this is what true religion is really all about we can't possibly be right about everything on our own Again, especially white people, and we can't make the world right. But God invites us into relationship with God's self through Jesus, and that relationship is the righteousness. Um, it's a quality. Righteousness is literally a quality of relationship with God, and we can live there with Jesus. And I think it connects us to all others, all people in grace. So this zone of reconciliation that Jesus is creating, um, I, see, I see it happening among us. I know that was like a super uh, maybe negative-sounding picture of the world, but even in the midst of that mess Jesus is creating um, recon- real reconciliation and unity, and it's a miracle. And we keep working on it together. And I think there's there's so much that we can do to express our love and gratitude in this zone of reconciliation with Jesus that connects us to all things. So I was thinking of just a few things that we were doing this week together that... Um, are beautiful counterpoints to the division and power differentials that cause pain in our world. Expressions of the righteousness of God. Um, I was talking with Jill Schellenberg this week. She's making this uh, froctor. I didn't really know what froctor was, but um, apparently it um, it's this art it's this art style. That um, so many of the records in Pennsylvania were first made in this, in this, um, in this style by Christian people who um, this was this was like their tradition. But anyway, she she felt like she wanted to make an original one for Circle of Hope to raise the rest of them, that we could sell to raise the rest of the money for. Um, our windows, or circle kids, or whatever we are working on. Um, And she's designing it to say, circle of hope, resist and restore. And in the middle, the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And then Bethany, of our circle mobilizing because Black Lives Matter team posted this picture on Friday from the bail fund dinner. The Community Bail Fund continues to raise money to bail people out of prison, several of whom are pictured here. And then the newly gathered Circle of Peacemakers team met Friday at Arts House, and they are getting us together um, to protest against the war in Iran um, next Saturday before the Love Feast. This team is connecting us to people in conflict all over the world already, and they just kind of regathered. And I love how their leader, Rand, wrote to us last week about how the making of peace is at least as costly as the making of war. It's disruptive to make peace, and it's likely to bring disgrace and prison and death in its wake. But Rand wrote, That we can share this burden because of the sacrificial spirit of our Savior Jesus Christ. And then I heard from my friends Lucille and Mark. Mark's right there. Our first two prospective covenant members of the week that um, I heard their moving faith stories um, before they're baptized with uh, that. They're gonna be baptized this Saturday. Um, at our love feast. Um, And they've got stories to tell of being united. (laughs) Mark's like, stop talking about me. (laughs) Mark, you got a story, and I'm glad you're willing to share it, about being called into relationship with Jesus and others. And then finally, our cell leader coordinators were um, able to share rent money through our mutuality fund last week with more than one person who needed it. And we're meeting tomorrow to finalize our 2020 budget together, and I I love that we're doing that on on Dr. King's day because we have to keep creating an alternative to the individualism um, that he warned us about the way the triplicate evils of racism, militarism, and materialism work together to keep people stuck in survival mode. We need to keep making a way out through Jesus. So today is Anabaptist World Fellowship Day, and um, I learned about this from Cesar Garcia, who's the, the... leader of a group of Anabaptists that keep talking to each other. But the, the day kind of reminds me of those 16th century church reformers that we remind me of. Other church reformers uh, in Europe that were rebelling against the, the structures of the Catholic Church at that time were trying to imagine like, what it would look like to have faith that was chosen rather than born into, you know, separated from the state, practicing restorative justice, and this voluntary redistribution of goods. But the first Anabaptists really believed um, that they could just do it by the power of the spirit. And so they established new faith communities that, that beyond having hope, became hope for, for the society of their time. And I think that's, that's what art is talking about with the bees. But nowadays, it's easy to lose hope. And I know you guys know this along with me. The polarization, segregation, exclusion, violence, rebirth of nationalism, the threat of climate change can, out, can feel pretty hopeless. In addition to what we're dealing with inside. Putting our hope in God and his righteousness enables us to act in faith for the future. Knowing that his kingdom will come and is coming, even now, to make all things right. And so we stand in that hope even as we long for it. We stand in that hope and mercy even as we pray for it and, and we embody it now. Let me pray for us, and then we'll talk back. Jesus, thank you for the hope that is you, how you um, stretched out your arms and gave yourself to us to, to show us um, what God does, what love does. Help us to follow in your way. Thank you for the power of your love uh, to help us be that vulnerable, to keep showing up in, in a scary world, to keep coming together in hope around you. Help us, Lord, um, to do that together this year. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Circle of Hope's Sunday Meeting Podcast. If you want to talk about it or get connected to a cell, you can find one under our Connect dropdown at circleofhope.net.